Welcome to the Nerd Ascended Podcast. I'm Natalie. And I'm Chelsea. And this is what we're nerding out about this week. Hey nerds, welcome back to the Nerd Ascended Podcast. It's been a little bit since we've updated and uploaded a new episode, so apologies for that. Um, That's adult life. It's called life. (laughs) This is not, surprise, this is not our jobs. Yet. So we we have jobs and we live in a different <laughs> we live in different time zones, which you don't think would be that big of a deal, but it is very difficult when Natalie finally gets home from work and is like, okay, I can record, and I'm like, I have to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it doesn't tend to line up all that easily, uh, but I think in general, just being an adult with lots of hobbies and lots of things you're into can be difficult, like. Uh, my Dungeons and Dragons group has had a heck of a time trying to get another session scheduled. So hopefully that'll be next weekend because it's not this weekend either, this final weekend of March. But yes, Natalie has gone ultimate nerd. Yes. Natalie has nerd ascended. I did nerd and ascend. plays D and D now. <laughs> I officially do. I am the cartographer for our group, so I actually drew my first map based on the last. Uh, session we had and it was actually really fun i'm super interested in learning more about maps so we'll see and look out for the next lord of the rings that's gonna be drawn by natalie o'grady yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well we'll we'll see about that but <laughs> but this episode that we have today is not in fact about dungeons and dragons although maybe someday that is coming but in kind of a similar realm this is a whole extravaganza of Game of Thrones! Yay! Because it starts from the time we're recording this in just over two weeks. Mm-hmm. Which and, is really soon. And by start, we mean the final season of Game of Thrones. Yes, the final six episodes, and then it'll be gone forever. Which is super sad, but has been a long time coming, um... Looking at the notes we have here, I completely forgot that this show started all the way back in 2011. So, yeah, I mean, all said and done, we're coming up on a decade here of this show. Yes, and I appreciate that they're ending now instead of dragging it out, dragging it out as long as they possibly can. Yeah, they uh, there is a prequel in the works. I guess. That is true. (laughs) Which is going to be interesting to see how that comes out because, I mean, this whole world is so massive. I know there's a a bunch of stories, you know, still to tell and all of that. But I don't know. Part of uh, what's been so great about Game of Thrones is some of the stuff that we've pieced together along the way, which we'll talk about. Um, And the the prequel won't have that because we we we're learning about what happened in the past as we went along in present-day, quote-quote, Game of Thrones. So I'm not quite sure um, how the prequel could keep up that same level of, like, intrigue. Yeah, it could be, like, Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. That's true. Where no one expected Better Call Saul to be as good as it is. And it and it's absolutely wonderful. So Yeah. Uh, okay, let's talk about Game of Thrones. The nerdiest... Of all nerd things. That's not true. It's not the nerdiest of all nerd things. It's actually very mainstream. (laughs) But it did not... Lots of people watch it. It did not start out that way, for sure. And I started watching this show because of you. I'm pretty sure in about 2014 is when I started watching it. And 
you started watching it because of a class you were taking, right? Yes, I was taking a TV and culture class in college. Sounds like a great class. Was absolutely horrible. <laughs> it was so hard. It was not fun. But I had to do this massive group project. Don't want to talk about it, but our final had to be about 90 pages. Oh my and God. we chose the Game of Thrones. Some girls in my group had seen it. I had not. So I got assigned to do the first two episodes part of our project. And so I watched the first two episodes. I did a lot of research about, okay, who is this? Who is this? How are they all connected? I needed it for my project, but it also made it a whole lot easier to keep going after that because I knew who everyone was and yes. I knew how what the houses meant and how they were all connected and actually what was happening. Because when you watch those first, I'd say at least the first half of the first season, you have no idea yes. who anyone is. And yeah, you have no idea what's going on. No, and it's really hard to keep track of. And I know when I first started watching, I was giving nicknames to people because I could not remember their names. And then there's, you know, you get later on and there's like Braun and Bran. Yes. And there, there's a ton of confusing overlap in the families. I referred to Bran as oatmeal for a long <laughs> oh, time. Oh, I thought it was cereal. I think it was actually both. Uh, yeah. He oatmeal. evolved. Because he's like Bran oatmeal or Bran cereal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um. The one I could always remember was Tyrion and Jon Snow for some reason and Danny. The three of them were always easy for me to remember because even if you couldn't remember her name was Daenerys or Danny, she was Khaleesi, which is pretty distinct. Uh, yeah. So you could remember that. And it, interestingly enough, they've kind of proven to be three of the main characters, I guess you could argue, of this show. But I guess that's kind of up for debate who this show's actually about because there's 8,000 characters in it. It's interesting when you watch the Emmys, no one from Game of Thrones can ever qualify to be nominated for Best Actor or Actress. They're only supporting because I think they base it off how many lines you have and no one has enough lines. Didn't, um, did Peter Dinklage get nominated once? I think he's been nominated a couple times. Did he get nominated as, um, I mean, on his own as like supporting and then nobody's been nominated for lead actor or actress? No, I don't think anyone's been nominated for lead because they... Because they don't have enough lines. Can't. Yeah. But I think I think Peter Dinklage has been nominated and maybe Lena... Oh, he won last year. He won oh, okay. in September 2018. And for Game of and Thrones. And 2015. He did win I'm assuming so. I don't yeah. think he does any other TV right now. And did Lena Headley, Hadley? I think she was nominated too. Heedy? Heedy. That's for once, I know the, the I, I really hope that's the correct pronunciation while I'm like bragging that I know it. Well, we're just going to apologize to Lena in advance. She's one of my favorite actresses. Love her a lot. Natalie's going out the window. <laughs> I just had to close that. Sorry, I just realized that the whole neighborhood could probably hear me about to scream about all this Game scream. of Thrones stuff we're going to talk about. Um, I'm... I feel like she was nominated. I'm having trouble. Oh, she was nominated in 2014. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it won. Wait, no, that was nominated. Well, okay. So Peter Dinklage has won an Emmy. This is just Emmys. He won for Best Supporting Actor in 2011. Wow. Uh, the series won as a whole in 2015. 
Peter won again that year. Amelia and Lena have both been nominated. Directors won. Writing has won. It won again in 2016. Oh, Maisie Williams got nominated for the episode No One in 2016. Oh. It has won Outstanding Drama Series several times. It won last year. And Peter won again last year. And Lena, Lena gets nominated most years, actually. Which, I mean, she should. She should, yeah. So it's up there. <laughs> and I expect in at the 2020 Emmys, there will be quite a few nominations. Yes, unless it is season. absolutely horrible, but I don't imagine it will be with the level of acting. No, um, and the level of time that they've put into this, because the last season, um, season seven, aired in 2017. Yes, it was summer 2017. So we've been waiting quite a while to wrap this whole thing up and i mean i hope anyone listening to this podcast you know knows what's going on with game of thrones otherwise you might just be kind of confused by all of this but um to give some background it is obviously based on a book series by george R. R. martin and the book series is not complete uh, there no. are five books currently out the last one was published a long time ago i think it was 2011 maybe when this show even started and he's he supposedly has two more books um which would be titled the winds of winter and a dream of spring right yeah something of spring i think a dream of spring is right and as i think season six was when we officially passed the books yeah we caught up when Jon snow died I think that's how the fifth book Spoiler. ends. I haven't read that one. <laughs> we have no... what well, We are all spoilers on this nerd podcast, or we yes. wouldn't be able to talk about anything. <laughs> this podcast is a giant spoiler tag, just so you know. So the last two full seasons have all been beyond the content of the books. And good old George, I believe, has said in interviews that he told um, the show's creators his planned ending for the series and told them some very key information that had not been published in the books yet, including um, John's storyline and the meaning of Hodor's name, which we will get into later. Those are definitely things that will show up in the books. But he has also since said that the ending of his books may be different than the show. And, I mean, I would imagine for the most part it's probably due to a lot of the, like, smaller storylines. We'll probably wrap up differently. I mean, there's definitely storylines the show hasn't even picked up because where are they going to find the time yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know and it things from books don't necessarily always translate as well on the screen so the world is kind of already sprawling enough without having to add in every little detail of what's going on here so some things may end up differently like I don't know I was gonna say I'm not sure if Stannis is dead in the books but i can't remember what season stannis died stannis the man is stannis the man is um but uh, was that season six you know i'm not entirely sure i know it was i feel like it was six i think it's got to be because it, it had to be after shireen died so yeah um that does have to be after season six but as a whole when it comes to media and tv and entertainment this show has kind of changed excuse the pun the game (laughs) quite a bit and in (laughs) lots of different ways i think the main reason this has done so well is one it was on hbo 
it was on the appropriate platform and had the appropriate budget backing it. But the people that created it were huge fans of the book, uh, book series, I should say. So you can see throughout this series kind of the love and care and respect for it Mm -hmm. um, that has gone into it. And something I love about George R. R. Martin is that he has openly admitted that he cannot keep track of his own world at this point because it's so huge. And he he loves connecting with super fans. And two of his biggest fans he kind of relies on to give him feedback on certain things I've heard that, um, you know, to keep him honest about what's happened in past books and where things should be. And they um, co-authored the book um, The World of Ice and Fire, which is um, kind of this, it's actually a beautiful coffee table book that just gives you the whole history of Westeros and probably a lot of what the prequel HBO series will cover. But that book, by the way, was super helpful in figuring out what in the heck is going on in this show and keeping track of people and family lines and all of that. So I love that he was also just working so closely on this show and is, you know, in close contact with the show's creators, even though they will do their own thing here, but they definitely have integrated him into the process. And it did, one of the biggest ways that it kind of changed TV was anyone who'd read the books, this wasn't a surprise, but if you were new to the world of Game of Thrones with the show, but were aware of who the actor Sean Bean is, when you, Sean Bean, <laughs> when you saw that he was in this show, it probably gave away a big uh, spoiler to you just by the sheer fact that he um, is known for dying in every role that he plays. What um, a typecast thing to get! I know, and I, I swear <laughs> he does that on purpose. I love it, but I mean, if I was him at this point, I would do it on purpose. Oh, I know. But he, his role in season one was Ned Stark. And this show really changed TV because the whole first season, it's very clear that the protagonist is Ned Stark. He's the lead character here. This is who you're following. This is um, kind of who's the, the pin at the center of everything. And then lo and behold, he dies in episode nine in a pretty graphic, violent way. And especially when you haven't read the books and I'm sure for book readers the first time they read it that is really kind of a unsettling earth-shattering mm-hmm. thing <laughs> as a viewer or a reader to finally to have your protagonist just die right out of the gate like that and um, it really sets the tone for what kind of show this is that completely breaks the rule of TV shows and movies and books that everyone kind of sticks to and expects where your protagonist makes it to the end and most of the time especially in fantasy gets what they want and he just died at the end of the first season and that theme continues through the rest of the show where people who you think are main characters repeatedly die characters Mm -hmm. you care for deeply die (laughs) in often abrupt ways um right. sometimes they don't get their little hero's journey or redemption Most of them don't they just die which is i mean it's more realistic but um it gives people kind of a love-hate relationship with this fandom <laughs> i guess because yes it's putting yourself through emotional turmoil quite a bit but 
But the important the important thing about everyone dying and most of the big characters have died is there's still a purpose to it for the plot and the rest of the characters. Like it still drives the plot forward. Mm-hmm. So like when Ned died, the whole storyline didn't die with him. No, it was. It actually it spawned everything that's happened since then, and the mm-hmm. Red Wedding again like spawned everything that cascaded off of that for the rest of the characters that are still there. Mm-hmm. And so that's why it's hard and it's awful and people that you really love die and even when you're like that okay i love this person they're probably gonna die even when it happens it still really sucks but at least there's a point to it Mm -hmm. and it just deepens the complexity of the plot and makes it better and luckily there's a bunch of characters so (laughs) you could just pick a new one (laughs) (laughs) yeah although a large portion of them are going to die in season eight. We don't know for sure which ones, but at this point you can expect quite a few. Most of them probably will. Does this end with just Arya standing in a completely empty Westeros by herself? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other thing about this show and its complex plot that are so awesome is it is very complex, but nearly every tiny little scene that seems like a throwaway a throwaway scene is not details do matter and as we got to the later seasons um things from like the first couple seasons came back and did in fact suddenly matter and so people have been able to put pieces together along the way and when we finally got into season seven and had a lot of these things finally fall into place it was extremely satisfying as a fan of the show because People had figured out some of the big plot points long ago because of all the clues. And so it was really exciting to see them finally happen. Um, and I guess the uh, I guess this would be a, a positive thing that this has also led to the fact that I have no idea how this show is going to end. I right. have no idea how they're going to wrap up most of this stuff. <laughs> I saw once several years ago, and I'm assuming the showrunners are using the ending martin told them mm-hmm. and he said many years ago he had seen someone correctly guess the ending on the internet he didn't say where just somewhere <laughs> yeah so every time i read a theory from someone on the internet about how it ends i'm like hmm is it this one you might actually be right of the millions of theories out here maybe it's you <laughs> maybe you guessed it maybe i guessed it maybe you guessed it i guess we will find out and this show has also had, um, I guess, kind of a complicated history with its portrayal of women and um, certain things. I would say overall, especially with the later seasons, it's done a good, a really good job of creating mm-hmm. strong female characters. And we definitely won't get into some of the like deeper debates about certain things, but there's definitely arguments about uh, what types of struggles women face need to be shown on tv and arguments for well this is definitely a realistic situation that they would probably have to deal with and then also Mm -hmm. the other argument of but is it really this is fiction we can make it whatever we want does that need to be used as character development here right but i would say overall it's done a good job with some missteps along the way yes most of them, I feel like, were in the earlier seasons. There have been some in the later seasons. 
most of them about women characters. Like you said, overall, I think it has done a better portrayal of women, especially in the later seasons, Mm -hmm. and has given them a lot of agency and a lot of power, particularly the two, or actually the three, if you include Cersei, um, Cersei and Danny and Sansa all have a lot of power right now, and it's not mm-hmm. connected to being with a specific man. And they've all gotten revenge on men yes. who have done bad things to them. Which, so I will, I will forgive. Um, one of the things that a lot of people were upset with was um, the episode featuring Sansa's wedding to Ramsay. Yes, um, which was. I- was very upset with it as well. <laughs> yeah, which was not a not a voluntary wedding and not a voluntary wedding night for her. And um, I think part of the issue was that it used an assault on Sansa as character development for Theon, who was also in the room. Yeah. <laughs> but after that season ended, um, I or I guess I should say after season six ended, I gave them a little more leeway because of how Sansa got her payback for that so mm-hmm. uh but it's i definitely would count that as one of the missteps and i feel like the first couple seasons they threw in a bunch of extra nudity because it, it wasn't totally out of place but i think they went over the top because it was hbo and they thought this is how people would get interested and then once they were interested they didn't have to use it as much i guess right. but it was nice when it tapered off yes and i'm not this is I'm like I'm not trying to say anything about the two showrunners at all, but they are sometimes things like this happen when it's two men or yeah. more they're writing just, about women. They're <laughs> see, just seeing it through their own lens and forgetting that sometimes you gotta maybe ask other people who are a little bit closer to this scenario. <laughs> yeah, and but, I'm not saying they're bad people oh, and they're anti-women. No. They seem like very good people and. As we've said, they've gotten a lot better, and I'm I'm hoping some of that is they've let the actresses have a lot of agency and voice in mm-hmm. creating their characters. And I think they've probably learned along the way too that you know yes. this doesn't have to be a crutch to fall back on. Like yes, women people can, are allowed to learn and grow. Yeah, <laughs> from where they started, characters without suffering from assault or not having clothes on (laughs) so (laughs) but overall i would say they've done a fairly decent job after seven seasons of creating those characters so to start um kind of the next portion of this episode um we're gonna go back to our our little segment called name one perfect blank so for this one it'll be name one perfect episode of game of thrones so um, interestingly, both of ours are from the same season, um, but <laughs> they're right after the other, they are not the same episode. So what was your single perfect episode of Game of Thrones? So I went through episode lists and really thought about it and did some homework and I purposely picked an episode that does not have a battle in it, though I love the battle episodes they are very intense, but I wanted to pick one that was not a battle because I had a feeling you would pick a battle and you did. Because <laughs> I'm that so, kind, kind of person. <laughs> I picked season six, episode 10, The Winds of Winter, which sometimes the last episode of a season in Game of Thrones will be a little more quiet because episode nine is expected to be the big explosive 
episode for the season and then episode 10 is kind of like propelling us you know the after effects of episode nine and then propelling us forward into the mm-hmm. next season episode which, nine of each season was always a battle or a stark died <laughs> or both oh, great <laughs> or both so <laughs> so i picked episode 10 of season six um which is after a battle happens but it is not a quiet episode. It's one of my favorites. It's the one where Cersei blows up the Sept with most of the Tyrells. They were the Tyrells, right? Yeah. Yep. Because Marjorie and um, Loras were in there. Loras and their father was in there. Grandma was not. Grandma was at home. <laughs> Grandma was at home. Which, good thing, because she killed her whole family. Tommen goes out the window, which was very shocking. Also in that episode, Danny finally crosses the ocean, which we've been building towards forever. We had been waiting. <laughs> and John, yeah, and John is named King of the North. So who you'd say, or maybe, <coughs> sorry, so he'd, you would say were the top three players in the Game of Thrones with their, um, their own followings and loyalties all did very big things. And I think it's a lot of critical stuff that's set up for this last season, even though we had season seven before this. I think a lot of what happened in Winds of Winter set us up for where we're heading into now. And I'll talk more about Cersei blowing up the Sept in a little bit, because I have a whole, like, love song I mean, for it. <laughs> that, that episode was definitely just, like, me sitting on the couch with my mouth hanging up open most of the time. Yeah, I remember where I was. I remember my little tiny apartment. I remember what I was eating for dinner all by myself <laughs> watching that episode. That's how good it was. It's That was also kind of the episode for me. Like, I mean, Cersei through most of the series, I've gone from being like absolutely sick to my stomach, terrified of her to outright hating her to like really just being on her side, even though I don't want her to win either. Mm-hmm. And I definitely was sad to see uh, Marjorie and Loras go. I was too. When that blew up, I was just like absolutely ecstatic for Cersei. <laughs> so despite, you know, usually hating her, they've done a great job of uh, kind of making you feel conflicted about her. And Tom and jumping out the window, though, was just like so sudden and abrupt. And I was just like, oh, no. That child yeah. just jumped out the window. <laughs> I'll, okay, I'll pull from our next segment to talk about it now. Because our next one is best slash most shocking moments. And I put Cersei blowing up the Sept and Tom and jumping there. Because we all know how much you and I both love sound editing and sound mixing. Mm-hmm. And I rewatched this scene for us to record this episode of the podcast. And the music and the sound mixing in it is so good. Like, you just have to watch it again. Oh, I'm going to watch it. Like, it's the perfect little song in the background, and it builds and builds and builds, and then everything blows up. It's very graphic. And then all of a sudden, all the sound cuts out at Tommen, mm-hmm. and he goes out the window oh. to, no, like, no sound. It's perfect. <laughs> and that moment when Marjorie realizes what's about to happen and no one else notices, 
Oh, and she's trying to get her brother out. Yeah. Watching it again, knowing what was going to happen, I was like, oh, God, please make it. I knew they weren't going to. Because <laughs> yeah, this is Game of Thrones. Of course they were And the High Sparrow it. was a stoops. Yeah, I think that is just <laughs> what made me so excited because I was like, I don't even care who else is in there. As long as that dude blew up, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what? I'm fine with it. And going back to the this show sets up things um, so far in advance, obviously Cersei's brother Tyrion used a very similar tactic back in season two at the Battle of Blackwater Bay. Yes. I don't remember what that stuff is called. The green stuff. It's fire. But they both used it. Yeah. It's, I don't know if they call it dragon fire or something. I can't remember. Wildfire? Wildfire might be it. We're such such huge fans of this show. (laughs) (laughs) I can't even remember. But I, it's been, you know, two years since this show's been on now. So I'm a little behind. But yeah, that was, I I would definitely agree. That's a pretty fantastic episode. Yeah. But what's your favorite? Or not your favorite, but one of your perfect episodes. So mine is probably more cliche because I'm sure it appears on lots of lists of best episodes of Game of Thrones. And it's the episode right before yours, season six, episode nine, Battle of the Bastards, which when Jon Snow died at the end of season five, most people that that's where the books had ended but given the clues that were there given the fact that kit harrington didn't cut his hair after (laughs) after the filming for that most people were pretty well aware that Jon snow was coming back to life there was just so many pieces that were set up the the red woman was in the area i mean it was just all clear that this is what was going to happen and that mm-hmm. this is the one time someone was going to die and we were going to get them back. And so everybody knew that. Now, they did a, as best they could, keeping that secret. But when they released the titles of the episodes of season six before the show actually started, and everybody saw episode nine was titled Battle of the Bastards, everyone knew exactly yeah. what that was. Because who else is a bastard besides Ramsey? Ramsey. Bolton and Jon Snow. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone It wasn't knew. gonna be Gendry. <laughs> Although I would have I would have been here for that. I would have been there for it, but, but. <laughs> So everybody knew just from those four words exactly what this episode was and that not only was Jon Snow coming back, but he was gonna go get Sansa. And quite possibly we were gonna get rid of Ramsey. <laughs> finally yes because and i liked the little twist that sansa was already with john yes she got herself <laughs> yes because sansa did get herself but as the season went on and you know john snow was brought back and uh all his perfect emo glory um kit harrington <laughs> was just honestly made for that role he was <laughs> um so this episode though just as a whole in terms of cinematography directing acting is just amazing and like we said um we appreciated that the women who've gone through difficulties have gotten their revenge in pretty spectacular ways, like Cersei blew up the Sept. In episode nine, Danny burned a whole fleet with her dragons mm-hmm. and then um, got to keep the rest of the fleet to go back across the ocean, finally. And then at the end, Sansa kind of gets her huge moment as well. There's definitely also some really emotionally difficult moments because this is the episode when Davos finds out about Shireen yes which is very crappy yes and he does it by finding 
the toy that he gave her, the little carving oh. at the bottom of the spot where they burned her at the stake. I just so badly want Davos to be happy. Yes, he's... Like, more than anything in this entire show, I just want him to be happy. He is really, really a moral compass of the show, which 100% guarantees me. he is not making it. <laughs> but he, he has made it quite far, the little Onion Knight. Um, but that was just such an awful moment, because obviously viewers of the show knew who had burned Shireen and why. Mm -hmm. Uh, But for Davos to find that out and to find out that he wasn't there to prevent it and, you know, Shireen was honestly probably more of a daughter to him than she was to Stannis. Yeah. uh, Because Stannis agreed to burn her. (laughs) So. And the fact that he did not kill Melisandre. Is amazing restraint. After all that. Yeah. Amazing (laughs) restraint in the show. So there was that moment which was awful. We also see Rickon forgetting to uh, duck, dodge, and dive. So when it, I'm running across a field in Fortnite, I think about Rickon <laughs> and I start to zigzag. I, that I do too. I absolutely do too. And I'm like, come on, you got to zigzag and they're going to get you. And <laughs> I mean, all of us were pretty sure going into that episode. I, first of all, I was shocked Rickon was alive still. Yes. At this point, <laughs> I kind of figured he was just Ramsey was going to ride out into battle with Rickon's head and, you know taunt John with it and he was taunting John with Rickon and we all knew it we all knew Rickon was going to die this was not a surprise but it still did not prevent all of us I think from sitting there just yelling zigzag Rickon dang it gosh dang it make it harder at least why are you running do a barrel roll do something (laughs) and so and it just it's like you could see on Jon Snow's face that he knew Rickon just could not zigzag and this was not gonna end well but it still was a horribly sad moment. Um, and then we also lost 1-1, the amazing I giant. I loved 1-1. Um, thanks to Ramsey at the end of this episode. So there was these emotional moments. There was um, Danny's great victorious moment. And then during the actual battle of the, bastard, the bastards, there's this wonderful shot when right after Rick and dies and John realizes, well, this is it. Um, of him standing alone, just unsheathing a sword with an entire army on horseback riding at him, which is a, a beautiful shot. In- that is a beautiful shot of cinema. Yes. Like, that is a perfect shot. <laughs> yeah, that is a... There's actually a Twitter account called One Perfect Shot, um, which I highly recommend following if you're interested. Oh, I love that Twitter. Yeah, and that is definitely One Perfect Shot. And the battle is wonderful. It's graphic. It's stressful. It's... There's John a, almost suffocates. There's a literal wall dead of bodies. death <laughs> that almost suffocates Jon Snow. Literal wall of death. And then there's a, in juxtaposition to that first shot, this great shot with a bunch of dead and almost dead writhing bodies and Jon Snow in the middle, like gasping for air. And oh, gosh. <laughs> it's just, it's stressful because honest to goodness, you actually didn't know. If he was going to no, make it. No, because Game of Thrones has told you no one is safe and can die at any time. Yeah, and that... He could have died then. He could have. And lo and behold, and I don't even care that this was a little ghost in the machine because the rest of this episode is great. And I do think this was set up prior. This didn't just come out of nowhere. But lo and behold, right at the perfect moment, Sansa arrives with Littlefinger and her army and saves the day. And oh, Sansa was already there. She called Littlefinger yeah, on she, her crow. That's what I should say. She was there, but Littlefinger yeah. arrived. But Sansa gets to be at the top of the hill with them. Looking amazing. Oh, yeah. 
And I still believe the little conspiracy that they Peter Peter Littlefinger well, Peter had gotten Baelish. there. Yeah. Yeah. He'd gotten there with plenty of time and waited. I would, and so he could make a grand entrance. I would 100% when, buy into that. Yeah. I would yeah. absolutely I know it. it's never been confirmed, but I buy into that. I, that he waited on purpose. Completely. And he would be the kind of person that would let plenty of people in the army die so that he's got more of his own people there. He totally yeah. would. So Sansa gets her moment. Littlefinger gets his moment, I guess. Which nobody cares about that. We just care about Sansa. <laughs> um, Ramsay still manages to kill 1-1, which is crap. But they win. They get back Winterfell, and Sansa, at the end of it, gets to turn Ramsay's own dogs on him, which is, which is just great. great, because the dogs he'd mentioned before were, like, you know, the only things that wouldn't turn on him, and he still treated them like crap. But mm-hmm. to get eaten to death right in the face <laughs> by your own dogs... And just to have that be her payback to him. And she had a very cool guys don't look at explosions moment where she, she did. <laughs> she just walked away while they were mauling him in the background. I mean, it was just, I remember literally laying on the floor after watching that episode and was just like, I need a beer. I need something. Yeah. Because that was need just to do some yoga. <laughs> incredible. Incredible. I do also think. John seemed mildly, at least confused, maybe upset that he didn't die. <laughs> I think that was kind of the point when he was starting to get upset that he could, like, mm-hmm. not die. But he obviously is still uh, very torn up about the fact that he saw nothing on the other side. But yeah. I'm just kind of like, well, John, that's because you were, like, chilling in purgatory. <laughs> you, yeah, you, you were in purgatory. Yeah, you were back. But... Um, I know that episode appears on a lot of perfect lists, but it was just something... But it deserves to. Yeah, something people <laughs> waited for for a very long time. And how is something called Battle of the Bastards not epic? Right. So, <laughs> so that would be my perfect episode. So now um, we've got a couple things that are we can do in kind of a, a rapid fire thing here. So do you want to kick us off with uh, the start of our list of the best moments slash most shocking? Not in any particular order. Right. I thought about picking an order and then I realized I just couldn't. It'd be impossible. Yeah. And this is not a definitive list. There are a lot of stuff I'm thinking about even now that I want to add, but I'm not going to because this will be a five hour podcast. We could have done uh, two episodes on just this part. Yes. So... (laughs) The first one on this list hurts my soul the most is the reason I'm dead inside. And it is Hodor hold the door when Hodor dies. And it's Bran's fault that he became Hodor and his brain got messed up. Mm-hmm. And I also, like I said, with the, um, well, the Winds of Winter earlier, I remember sitting on my couch in my crappy little apartment alone <laughs> watching this. And when it was happening, I distinctly remember like doubling over on my couch. I was like, this is the worst pain I have ever felt in my entire life. And I have had my gallbladder taken out. <laughs> and this was worse. <laughs> I yeah. mean, in a show full of unfair things, that was the worst. That was the absolute worst. Oh, it worst. was. And the worst, but in like a good way. Because it it did make you realize 
they had been setting clues for that for a long time too. Just like everything else mm-hmm. in the show, this had been there had been clues about this for a very long time. But for Bran, who's got just such an interesting storyline because he really has morphed into kind of a pretty emotionless kind of cold dude just by virtue of becoming the three-eyed raven but yeah i don't like him as much as the three-eyed raven no like he's still a great character but he's he's not one of my favorites anymore no he's got he's got a purpose and his character really sticks to that i think but just thinking about his journey with hodor and how hodor hodor protected him and nobody would have even thought at any point in the show what does hodor's name mean Nobody thought yeah. that. And then everyone just thought he was like a Pokemon. Yeah. Like no one thought about it. And just to think that this kind, gentle giant who had done nothing but try to protect these kids and be a friend, that his entire purpose in life, the very meaning of his name is just to hold the door so that the other two can survive. Like that is just upsetting Ugh. i don't have any other word for that than upsetting like it it makes me upset to even think about like my experience the first time i saw that scene i don't think i could even rewatch this episode because no when i was rewatching scenes off this list did not rewatch I, that one as many times as i've watched <laughs> this show and been like no i was literally sitting there going no no this is not <laughs> what we're doing you're gonna kill all the, the wolves and now you're gonna do this to me but <laughs> yeah well, i guess ghost and now you gotta take hodor <laughs> yeah oh so that i think is probably the most shocking moment of the show yeah just for even though value. we said this was in no order i it's think that one is number one the second one we've already talked about which was cersei blowing up the sept one of my favorite scenes of tv ever not just game of thrones for reasons i already said mm-hmm. uh the third one is ned stark dying you know, it feels like forever ago I had to really oh, it's a whole other life. rewind in my brain to get back to how that felt in season one. Mm-hmm. But if he hadn't died, nothing, none of this would have happened like it did. No. And we all very much felt like Sansa in that moment when she was standing there and Joffrey gives her that line that really makes it seem like this is fine. Oh. We're just doing this for the, the public thing and he's going to get let off or whatever and then suddenly his head is no longer there <laughs> which was a uh, quite the turn of events it's interesting when you watch that one back like cersei was conflicted she mm-hmm. didn't want to kill ned stark and i i think she didn't want to kill ned stark and i think she was also conflicted about the fact that her uh child yeah. dictated that i think I mean, cersei's always been complicated and not a good person a perfect great character but not a good person oh yeah she's not a good and i think watching her kid have no moral compass or empathy or yeah realizing this in him at all realizing kind of like set her down this path too yeah yeah he was an absolute monster so. yeah <laughs> she made that monster um so number four is one we actually haven't talked about yet which is the red wedding which um even if you haven't watched game of thrones you've probably heard about the red wedding um, yes. Which was in season three, and it was um, the scene where quite a few, well, I guess technically just two, three if you count um, Rob's wife, but uh, a decent chunk of the Stark family and army uh, was murdered. 
And yep. it was another one of those scenes when we thought, certainly that's not what's going to happen here. Certainly they did not just trick these people into uh, a wedding and a feast and they're not going to betray them in the middle of this, which is what they've talked about before. You you can't kill people who are breaking bread with you under your own roof and all of that. And, mm-hmm. um, but this also kind of set up the Bolton storyline for later and how awful they were. But, you know, starting with the, I cannot remember Papa Bolton's first name, but. Um, I was trying to think of it now too. And I can, I keep, um, my brain keeps trying to say Stannis. No. They're just both bald white men. I know. Cause he kind of looked like Stannis. <laughs> um, but just starting, Papa Bolton. <laughs> starting with the, him saying the Lannisters send their regards to someone stabbing his pregnant wife directly in the stomach because, I mean, here's the thing. If you're going to stab someone to death, you can do it in several places, but that was deliberately to send yeah, a message. Was, mm-hmm. And um, I also love that the band up in the top features members of Coldplay. And, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> and just the actress that plays... Um, Catelyn Stark, Caitlin mm-hmm. Catelyn, does an amazing job with that. I mean, it is so emotionally horrifying because she watches her son and her daughter-in-law be murdered right in front of her and proceeds to murder one of Walder Frey's young wives because she's available. And, <laughs> you know, what else is she going to do at this point? And it's it was just awful because they knew people would hear about this event, of course, but it was to send a message to Catelyn as she was dying like yeah it was, which is unnecessarily it was mean <laughs> deliberate disgusting cruelty is what it was and but I do love um the you know the reigns of Castamere music and just how like when you really think about it beyond the the disturbing factor this is also extra I mean the whole thing is. was so extra yeah. It's <laughs> planned by these Lannisters. I mean, you know, there's the the legend about how they slaughtered all the Castamere's by, or not the Castamere's. Were they called? The, was it the Castamere family or the Reigns? I don't actually remember. I don't know. Because the song, the music, the song that was written about that event was the Reigns of Castamere, which is actually a very haunting song if you listen to the version with words that they, um, the actual vocals, I should say. Yeah, doesn't it play at the end of that episode with vocals? Yeah, and it's just, it starts with, like, just the vocals, and it's a very simple music background, and it is is just so haunting, because the whole song is Mm -hmm. a message, and the minute, like, the music starts playing at that wedding, and you can see Catelyn just, like, sit up, because why on earth would you be playing a song about the time the Lannisters slaughtered a bunch of people? You know, it's, that was a, it's also, I think, the episode where a lot of people thought, I need to take a mild break from this show. Yes. (laughs) Before binging the rest of it. Um, That's where we needed the year-long break. (laughs) Yeah. And um, to add on to that, the, I think one of the other most disturbing moments of the show is in the following episode, when Arya sees um, them parading Rob Stark around on a horse with his wolf's head now attached to his body. Yeah. Yeah, That's don't like that. One. Don't like to think about that. No, that was that was actually I'm not particularly sure why that out of all things in the show was deeply disturbing to me, but it was deeply disturbing. Yeah. Because it was again with just the deliberate mockery and cruelty and no one but them was gonna see that. 
so it's yeah just, they didn't know she was there no it was just it's I guess because I I have no idea what it would even be like to have that kind of mindset <laughs> so <laughs> yes yeah um, but our next one on this list is actually a lot more satisfying and exciting. Yeah, we do have some exciting things on this list. Yes. Um, so number five, we have John coming back to life. Yay! Yay! Which we, Even though everyone knew it. Everyone knew he was coming. We does knew that. not dampen but, the satisfying level. Oh, they trolled us through that episode quite a bit. They did. Because they pushed it, pushed it to where you thought this uh, he's decomposing. Like... Rigor mortis. We got to get through this, and they really, really drew out the last scene where she finished her work, and they zoom in on his face, and it goes just that extra second long where you're like, "Eh, "What's going on? Is he coming? Is he still dead?" And then he just takes that huge gulp of air and opens his eyes, and it's just so satisfying because we were like, "Okay, now the stuff is really gonna start." Like, and it did. That was actually, I would say, even though um, that was just the start of episode six, or season six, I should say, that was like the beginning of the end game. It was, yeah. Right there. So that's why that was kind of a, a big <laughs> We're moment. in the end game now. <laughs> Thanks, Doctor Strange. April 14th. Oh, wait, no, that's this. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> I don't April remember 26th. when end game comes out. <laughs> anyway, Game of Thrones, yes. not Avengers. <laughs> the next one is the Tower of Joy reveal. Oh, this one still makes Where me so happy. Where we find so out happy. who John's real parents are. I rewatched this one today. Uh, also has great music. A smaller battle, which I think is a really good one too, especially since Bran finds out that the battle did not happen like Ned has told everyone forever. Mm-hmm. And Howlin' Reed is the one that killed... What was his name? The Morning Star? Oh, uh, yes. The... um. The very famous knight who swings two swords around. Yes. Um, I'll have to find that one. But And he was having very valiant fights with Ned Stark, and then Helen Reed ends up literally stabbing him when he least expects it, when he's not even fighting him. Mm-hmm. I wish Helen Reed had more of a presence Arthur in Dane. the show, but that's okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. Arthur Dane. And then we find out who John's parents really are. There's a great cut at the end from a tiny grumpy baby face to Jon Snow face, which is also very satisfying. It's a theory that had been floating around for years. Before the show even started. This was yeah. definitely a theory people had picked up from the books. The R plus L equals J theory. Yes. <laughs> um, because, you know, most of this show had really revolved around the idea that this was Ned Stark's bastard child and that's why Catelyn never really mm-hmm. liked him that's why you know his destiny was just to go work at the wall as and take the black basically because he didn't have royalty and all of that and it and was he's so, actually the heir to the iron throne yes and it was so interesting <laughs> that you know that whole scene where bran is reliving this memory at the tower of joy like how that really reflects the um the concept that all of us have to figure out our parents aren't infallible heroes. And that was really mm-hmm. what was happening to him there. Like that was changing his yeah. entire perception of who he thought his dad was. But it also, they were like more ready to forgive Ned for cheating on Catelyn after being away for a long time than they would be for him lying about who John's mom was. But mm-hmm. 
to me, that just made Ned Stark so much more of an honorable character because he had to protect that baby because he knew his best friend Robert would kill him. And that would be it. And (laughs) I love that whole scene where just the cut from the baby's eyes to Kit Harrington's eyes is just Mm -hmm. so fantastic. And the and of course the scene where they cut to John, he's sitting in Ned's spot at the table and holding the meeting in Winterfell as the king in the north. So we all knew it was And coming, also but... they went they went back in time and found Sean Bean as a young yeah, man. Yeah, that was astounding. <laughs> that was astounding. I hope that's who they cast if they're gonna have Ned Stark in the prequel, because he was great. They better. Um but it was just like Oh, that was just like a swell of like joy, honestly, even though it's all such a crappy situation for people. It was just like, yes, I knew you've been a Targaryen this whole time. I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> Lucky for you, you just look like your mom. Yep. <laughs> um, which is also thinking about it now. Remember how the, the whole plot in the first couple seasons about how um, Cersei's kids are definitely not her husband Robert's. Because that's why Ned went down there to begin with, was part of that, mm-hmm. and um, upset with the hand of the king then. And Robert had said something about the seed is strong, because all <laughs> oh, Robert, all of his kids looked like him, including Gendry, including those kids that were his bastard children around the town. And it's just funny that, lo and behold, the Stark family, apparently their seed is strong too, because John looks just like his mom. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like there's no indication that he's a Targaryen. So, thankfully for him. Uh, the seventh one, the Ice Dragon, at the end of the last season. Sad. Yep. Sad. Uh, Upsetting. The wall gets destroyed. I've spent a long time thinking Tormund might be dead, but I saw him in the new trailer, so he can die later. Yes. <laughs> but he's he's still <laughs> around. I do like him. But yeah, that was another thing that had been predicted for a long time, finally happened, was sad, but also satisfying to see something that big and crazy happen. Yeah, to see the wall come down, because we all knew that was going to happen too. So speaking of dragons, another one of my favorite moments of all time is when Danny purchased the Unsullied Army and spent most of that episode talking to that guy who was an absolute prick, um, or I should say not talking to him because she was pretending to not understand Valerian, mm-hmm. or he incorrectly assumed that she didn't and he said awful things about her and tried to get her to trade one of his dragons for this army and she gave him one and it was really sad because the dragons were still kind of little babies at that point and it was clearly upset that she was walking away from it and then to just see her suddenly start speaking to the army in Valerian and Uh that guy's shock and then he gets burned to death by the dragon and she also gets a cool guys don't look at explosions moment at the end of that episode when it just zooms in on her very stoic face and just stuff is exploding in the <laughs> yeah. background. And there are it's people a fireball screaming. Like, and that was kind of a... Danny's got several of those moments, but that was definitely one of her like, oh, she actually isn't here to mess around. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> did love that one. That was a great one. The next one you added, I left it off because, like you said earlier, your most disturbing moment this is the one for me (laughs) it's pretty disturbing it deeply disturbs me which was Oberyn's death don't even want to think about it I even as soon as I realized what was happening I stopped watching it and I still 
I caught the very end of it. I looked back too soon, and now I'm scarred for life. Yeah, and it that was upsetting because I really did like Oberyn, and I should have known this is what he was, was too cocky. I should have known this is what was coming, but I really thought he was going to win. I really did, and now I know it's that's not going to happen because the ultimate matchup here needs to be the Hound and the Mountain. Clickain Bowl. Clickain Bowl. But at the time, I really thought he was going to win. <laughs> And yeah, it tricked you. Yeah, and it was just disturbing because the mountain then admitted to what he had done as part of Robert's rebellion and what he had done to Oberyn's family. That was pretty awful. The next one was super great, and it was when Grandma Olena. Yep, Lady Olena. Lady Olena, we always called her Grandma. Yes. (laughs) Uh, When Jamie comes to kill her, gives her some poison. Which was very and kind she of she says, him. yes, very kind of Jamie. Glad he did that. Yes, honestly, which I, if you haven't seen this episode, it's kind because he was saving her from a violent stabbing death. Yeah. yeah. And before he leaves, she says, tell Cersei, I want her to know it was me. And she's referring to she killed Joffrey all <laughs> those seasons ago. Which we all kind of thought because yeah. we had seen the thing with Sansa's necklace and all that, and we kind of assumed this is what had gone on, especially because she had told Marjorie something along the lines of, you didn't think I would let you marry that little monster, did you? Yeah. And But just to have her look Death and Jamie in the face, and she had to have a pretty good indication that Joffrey was, in fact, Jamie's child. Oh, she knew. And Grandma knew everything. To just be like... Well, you actually just did me this kindness to let me have this poison instead because I'm an old lady. But I'm also just going to give you a middle finger. Because, yeah. you know what? I'm Lady Olena and that's how I'm going to go out. So Sometimes I have to remind myself that she died. I know. Which makes me sad, but she was so great. I want that shirt that's her wearing sunglasses that yeah. says, Tell Cersei I want her to know it was me <laughs> on it. She, you know, in a show where a lot of people don't get to go out the way they want, at least she went out the way she wanted. She did. So So that's satisfying. So leading into um, our second to last one, going to Joffrey's death back in season four, that was the biggest relief I've ever had on this show. Oh my God. Like I was just so concerned we were going to keep going with Joffrey and it was just going to keep being upsetting and this little shit was just going to keep winning and then he died. He went out at the halfway point. Yep, and he died in front of people looking ugly and gross and embarrassing. Yep. <laughs> so it was a, it was a um I mean I can't say it was joyful, but it was just like a oh thank God. Thanks, Grandma. Thanks, Grandma. <laughs> and the last one was when Littlefinger dies, Arya kills him. Which I also thought was kind of a relief because mm-hmm. Even before Ned, Littlefinger made all of this shit happen. Yes, he did. Because he wrote to, what was her name? It's not Lyanna, but Catelyn's Catelyn's sister. sister. Mm -hmm. And played way back into her childhood crush on him to get her to kill her husband, who was the hand, hand, who was dead at the first episode. And why the whole reason Ned Stark came down to the capital. And everything. Right. She wrote the letter and she wrote the letter to him, like indicating that she like she didn't think the king's kids might not be his and all these stuff 
that mm-hmm. made Ned go. Yep. And so he is the reason everything happened. He absolutely is. And I do have to say I love that scene where he this is Sparta's her off of the moon door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty great. Because she was not a likable character either. But just the I mean, obviously he's a gross character, but just the whole there's only one woman I've ever loved and she's just so enthralled and he just says, Your sister and shoves her through the <laughs> yeah. hole instead. Like <laughs> it was just ridiculous and great. Uh, the next thing we want to talk about for just a second is the best battles. There's a ton of battles. We already talked about one. My favorite battle is Hard Home. The sound mixing is perfect. I know I say that about everything that I love. But it makes a huge but difference. But I just really love sound. It, it, just, it, it makes I'm a I'm also like hypersensitive to sound. And I hate a lot of sounds in the world. Yeah. So I love good sound editing and mixing. Uh, one one messes shit up not in a bad way like he swings his giant thing that's on fire around i just really loved one one john kills who i thought was the night king the one with the long hair he was just the first lieutenant i think yeah he was just the first lieutenant (laughs) and then when they're trying to get out because there's too many of them and they finally get on the little boat there's only like five of them left and one one who just runs into the sea. Because he's one one and <laughs> yeah. he's just going to cross the Atlantic on his own two feet. <laughs> and the Night King comes down and raises his arms and everyone who just died comes back as a murder zombie. And it's another moment, which I'm realizing Game of Thrones does a lot, that really that I just really love, I guess, is when there's music and then it cuts out at a really peak moment. And it did... At this, mm-hmm. where when they're watching the Night King and all you can hear is the wind and the water. And it's... And everyone that died just stands back up. It's very much an oh shit. Yes. It's so good. Yes. And it's also just this moment where John realizes these people he's worked so hard to gain the trust of, he just led to, like, mass death. Yeah. And now they're zombies. And he's just made the whole situation worse. That is a great... Ooh, a great episode. I'm losing my breath thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, In addition to Battle of the Bastards that we already talked about in depth, another battle that I really loved was the season seven loot train attack where Mm -hmm. um, Danny attacked the caravan that Jamie was leading coming back from High Garden with the whole tell Cersei. I wanted to know it was me. And he was coming back with all (laughs) the loot that they had taken and... Danny finally, who's now in Westeros, finally gets to use her dragons in battle, which was great. Um, and seeing them just be huge and beautiful, wonderful fire death creatures was awesome. But my favorite part of this is the fact that she worked for six seasons to get those Dothraki on a boat because they were refusing to do it. They've tried to kill her multiple times. And mm-hmm. they didn't want to be on a boat at all. That was not They did not have fun on that boat. No, they hated the boat. <laughs> But by God, they got there and they, Dothraki are not a people that anybody in Westeros or I should say few people in Westeros are even aware of or have seen because they haven't been across the ocean. Yeah. And very few people go across the ocean. Yeah. And if they do, they don't necessarily come back. And just to see the Dothraki in all their glory riding over the hill and Mm -hmm. all of these very highborn prissy soldiers just being like, what? in the hell is that was just wonderful um and it also kind of had 
a great conflicting moment for Danny on whether what she was doing was right here. Yeah, she doesn't have very many of those. No, and so that was that was good to see. And um, I just also love anything with Jamie in it at this point because I know he's going to die. But um, <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> I just but he's going to die. I do just love him and I love that actor. So it was just a great great battle overall so the next thing is our predictions of who wins and who dies uh because at least one person has to live right supposedly right <laughs> i i went through a couple predictions online just to see what other people are saying i found an official study someone did that was on digitalspy.com where they found a study that f- showed the study showed that female highborn characters that have switched loyalties at least once are most likely to survive. So that would be Sansa, Danny, technically. Danny has never switched loyalties. Mm. Really, she's always been loyal to herself. I, that's true. I was thinking of if switching from her brother counted, but. And she's um I don't know actually she's gone back I and forth about. with the Dothraki, but she's always technically been loyal to herself and to Caldrogo. Yes. So Danny and Cersei are the most in trouble, if that mm. is true. Fascinating. Um, Arya is also, if that is true, likely to survive. And it also said this characters in general that have switched loyalties are more likely to survive. So Tyrion's looking good because they're playing the and- Game of Thrones, right? Yeah, so. yeah. And uh John is kind of middle. And it, John, that's interesting to think about cuz I don't know that John has ever deliberately switched sides. No, he got forced into that. But. Yeah, and he it was more of a I was going to say it was more of a survival, but so was Sansa's. So, if you go down to that poll, I found a Reddit poll. Reddit poll. From a little bit ago. That has most of the characters in it, and people voted on who they think survives and who dies. So I think we could quickly go through it and then both just say yes or no. Okay, the first one is Tyrion Lannister, I say lives. Lives. Yeah. 100%. Uh, Jon Snow. Toss up. It's... If you, you have mm, to pick one. He dies. Ooh, I'm going to pick he lives. <laughs> but, I mean, it's also hard mm-hmm. to pick. Daenerys Targaryen, I say she and if dies. if I said John dies, I say she lives. Because I think it's going to be one or the other. Right. I don't think they both live and get married and mm-hmm. have an incest baby happily. Oh, no, I think... I don't she... think they can both be alive. I think they are both as or a high, and one of them's got to kill the other one. Ooh. That's what I think. <laughs> um, Arya Stark. I think she lives. I think she lives... Too. I think she I have lives no alone. idea what happens to her though. <laughs> yeah, I think she lives yeah. alone somewhere. Uh, Sansa Stark. Lives. I say she lives. Mm-hmm. She is playing the Game of Thrones the most. Yes. Bran Stark. I okay. I think he's gonna turn into Thanos dust just like willingly at the end of this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's what he's gonna do. I just put like both question mark. <laughs> I think. Uh, I, He's not, already kind of both. I'm not 100% adverse to the idea that he is also maybe the Night King. Oh, yeah, I've seen... We've talked about that. That's theory. real convoluted, but I'm not against it. Uh, Jamie Lannister... Is dying. 
he is gonna is die. dying i agree and he, he's gonna die by his own hand that is my theory his gold hand his gold hand his own gold hand <laughs> cersei lannister dead dies and it's yes. gonna be by jamie's hand he's gonna kill her and then himself his gold hand yep. <laughs> that gold hand that gold hand's gonna get her and then it's gonna get him <laughs> uh the hound um i say he dies i think he dies i think he and his brother are gonna mutually kill each other in clegane bowl <laughs> the mountain dies dead. he's gonna die davos seaworth I-, I say he lives because i desperately need yeah, him i refuse to. to believe anything else so he survives <laughs> the people that took this poll also voted very highly for him living uh quiburn he's definitely gonna die. dying no one needs him <laughs> gray worm probably gonna die and i think probably gonna die he's gonna die saving missandei or just really like some heroic battle moment that turns the tide for danny yeah uh miss missandei i missandei? i could see her surviving I- I think she lives. I'll talk about that later. Samuel Tarly is definitely going to live. He's going to live because I think he's the narrator of this story. Yes. <laughs> he is the Bilbo Baggins slash Frodo of this story. Uh, Gilly. I think she lives with Sam. I think she lives. She's and in a pretty baby. safe spot. I think little That baby. was the next one. Little Sam. Yep. They make it. Melisandre. She's going to die. Sandra. She's going to die. And I think she'll get some sort of redemption something, but she's going to die, I think. Varys? I think he lives. Which, I I saw your little note on there, and then I added on the bottom, Varys lives is some controversial opinion. <laughs> I I think he lives, and I think it's because he's Littlefinger's counterpart. And he's been playing the Game of Thrones the whole time. But He has, yeah. He's been loyal to the... He's been loyal to Westeros. The whole time. Yeah. But has done that by changing sides repeatedly. Yes. I think he might... Oh, it's hard, but I think he's going to live because everyone expects him to die. I think he... And he's been very quietly playing it, playing the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one makes me sad. Brienne of Tarth. I think she's going to die. I think she's going to die. This poll thought the other way, but... I think she dies. I love her as much as I love Davos Seaworth. But she, I think she's going to go out in a heroic blaze of glory. Yeah. That is for sure. She's got too much Ned Stark-esque. Yep. Too much uh, of a moral compass. This one's kind of random. I forgot about him. Is pa- I didn't even realize Podrick was still alive. I forgot about <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> Podrick. I feel uh, like he's kind of a side character and is just going to die because... Yeah. <laughs> What else is going on here, Potter? <laughs> Tormund, I think, is going to die. Yep, agree. I don't think he gets to hook up with Brienne because she doesn't want to right now, and that's fine. No, but they might they might die together. Yeah. Beric Dondarrion, I also forgot about him. Definitely going to die. He's going to die because he's going to realize he's not actually Azor High or whatever. So he's going to die. Uh, Gendry... I agree with this poll. I think he'll live just because he's the only one of the... Wow, what was their last name? Baratheon. Um, The Baratheons. Yeah, he's the last Baratheon, technically. Euron Greyjoy. Uh, Dead. dead. Because he's ass. (laughs) Theon Greyjoy. Dead. 
Man, the Greyjoys can't. might get wiped out, actually. Uh, Yara Greyjoy. I think they're all going to die. And I think Sansa's going to have to have this choice between where she saves Theon and Yara or, like, someone in her own family. And she's going to choose to let the Greyjoys die. Greyjoys die. Yeah. But, you know, that's fair. <laughs> is fair theon already got his redemption moment i mean he doesn't got much else going on so <laughs> yeah and i like yara but she's not in a good place no um jora he's that dying. dude the fact that that dude isn't dead yet yeah. i don't know what his storyline <laughs> yeah. is but he's going to die and the last one is Bronn. probably well die. i yeah probably so let's do final final oh, crazy predictions the last one, very important, Little Lady Mormont. Oh, she's going to live. live. Whoever, <laughs> whatever happens with the government democracy at the end, she's, she's going to be, be in involved in. Yep. She will be in charge. Okay. So final crazy predictions. I have two. Uh, most of the, both of them kind of share several of the same elements. My first option is Sansa wins the Game of Thrones and sits the Iron Throne. How? I don't know. She does. <laughs> She she's lived through everything else at this point. Yeah. Uh, Danny dies, and John does not want to rule. He just wants to hang out somewhere and think about how he was dead. So he's going to go be a lumberjack, all Dexter. And have an existential crisis. Yes. Uh, Masandi goes back to rule Marine. Tyrion is the hand of the queen to Sansa. Sam writes A Song of Ice and Fire. Like I said before, George R. R. Martin has been very open that Lord of the Rings expi- expired. It did not. No, inspired. it did not expire. <laughs> Lord of the Rings inspired Game of Thrones a lot. And I think it would be a great little homage back to that if Sam was writing the books at the end, like Bilbo and Frodo both wrote their books. And I 100% think there was a hint in the show that this is going to happen because Sam said to the other guy who was in charge of writing the history of Westeros or something, the book was called The History of Westeros and the Seven Kingdoms or something boring. Oh, yeah. I forgot Sam said, don't you think it could be something a little more poetic? Yes. And The Song of Ice and Fire is very poetic, Samuel Tarly. Mm -hmm. And also, he's already survived the White Walkers. He killed one. He was the first one to kill one. So He was. Um, and my final shot is a White Walker hand pops out of the snow. <laughs> <laughs> and then my second theory is no one sits the Iron Throne. It gets destroyed in the Dragon White Walker battle and any semblance of government and politics and rulers and high houses goes along with it. But once the dust has settled, Sansa and Tyrion both survive and begin to rebuild order, but not as romantic partners, just... Very good, trusting friends. Um, I was going to say Winterfell is the new capital, but I actually think it'll get destroyed, destroyed. So I'll put Dorne as the new capital, because why not? It's warm. Uh, Sansa and Tyrion build a new, more democratic system. Jon and Danny both die, but have a little kid. Davos Seaworth goes on to adopt that little orphan and finally gets to raise a kid in peace without them dying. Because he lost his sons in season two, and then he lost Shireen. Nasandi mm-hmm. goes back to rule Marine. Uh, Sam writes a song of ice and fire. 
a white walker hand pops out of the snow as the final shot. <laughs> so you've got this final shot down. Yes. <laughs> Basically, like I said, I don't think John and Danny can both live and win the Iron Throne together. That's too predictable. And if that's what happens, I'll be very disappointed. Mm-hmm. And I think Sans and Tyrion are the best shot for making sure the country doesn't dissolve into all chaos. Mm-hmm. Well, for mine, I you've got a lot more fleshed out ideas than I have because I definitely am still so confused. But I agree with a lot of what you have that Sansa and Tyrion, I think, are really being set up to be the actual leaders here um, and to be in charge of something. I think the things that I, I think are going to happen for sure are the Iron Throne will be physically and metaphorically destroyed in some yeah. way. I think the actual physical chair will be destroyed. Yes, I do too. I don't know how, but I think it will. I am 1,000% convinced that Jamie will kill Cersei and then himself. I and agree. if it doesn't happen, I will eat my hat. <laughs> I, I swear that is what is going to happen. Because his whole storyline has been people giving him a hard time about being a kingslayer. And I think he's going to go out a queenslayer. Yep. And she he's the Valonqor or the the little brother even though Cersei mm-hmm. thinks it's Tyrion she is older than Jaime yep so I think that's that I agree um definitely see Sam and his cute little family surviving I didn't think about Davos but I love your idea of him adopting John and Danny's baby I'm on <laughs> that um I do think with the whole Azor High plot and is Danny that is Beric Dondarrion in that is John that I think John and Danny are some combination of him. Mm-hmm. And that means if they're following the same story, one of them has to kill the love of their life with a flaming sword through the heart. So I think that is what's going to happen, whether that's willingly and a joint decision. I don't know. Maybe a dragon is the sword of fire. And oh. it's going to eat And Danny. kills. I don't know. But. <laughs> oh. I was going to say kills John, but. Um, I think John will absolutely ride a dragon. And I mean, the, he already kind of did once. He already kind of did. And <laughs> I think, I, or I should say, he will pilot a dragon on his own. <laughs> um, I think Bran is going to warg into a dragon at some point. And I just am here for the Jerry Springer moment when they figure out that they're actually related. Ah, uh, yeah. Here for that. And because I'm, Sam knows, and yes. so does Bran. Yep, and they, they both know. And I will also stick my flag in the ground that Varys is going to survive and he is going to serve in the government in some form with Sansa and Tyrion. You know, after we've talked about it and I've thought about it, I do think Varys lives. He's the little spider. He he survives through all of this. Yeah. He and Littlefinger were doing the same undercover stuff, but Littlefinger was uh, he wanted not as smart as he thought he was. He wanted the, the attention. Um, yeah, he wanted the recognition. Look, I'm so mm-hmm. smart. And Varys doesn't need or want recognition. Nope. So I think, and th- remember that whole conversation they had about chaos, is chaos a ladder or is chaos a pit? Yeah. And the it was just clear to me that they are very well aware of what the other one's doing. So. Remember when Varys got suddenly tan when he was yes. hanging out with Danny, and he came yeah. back with a very like, basking I in came, his glow? Came back to my exotic vacation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on this boat and according to the trailer for the final season he's going to spend a chunk of his time with the women and children in the basement so 
Yeah. Oh, but that's final, how he survives. Final prediction based on what's in the trailer. The White Walkers are going to raise the dead Starks from the crypts. Oh, and I was hoping that was like a, a hallucination. And I think Arya is running from her mom and dad. That's awful. It's probably going to happen then. Because I, I, I was trying to think of, at this point, what would Arya run from? Yeah, she's not really scared of anything. No, she does not give a crap anymore. So, hey, is, uh, what's his face? Her mentor? Attractive oh. Jesus. Is he alive? <laughs> what? Joaquin? I think he's alive, right? She didn't kill him or anything. I can't remember. No, she didn't kill him. Oh, well, maybe he'll pop back up. I he could. Him. He's a faceless man. He's not in Westeros. Maybe he's Varys. Whoa! Maybe Varys <laughs> is actually dead. Man! And it's just been... What's his face this whole time? We will see, I What's guess. his face is very fitting because he, he's a uh, faceless puns. man. Well, come April 14th, we will see. We will see. Well, we probably won't see April 14th, but we'll. it'll be a short six weeks and then it'll all be over. Yes. But it's going to be crazy. It is going to be quite the ride. So, looking forward to it very much. We'll probably have some thoughts after the season wraps up about what we thought. Yes, we're going to have to talk about everything that happens and see how correct we were. Yeah. But thanks for joining us on this Game of Thrones extravaganza. Woo! Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at NerdAscended. You can also, if you feel like it, send us an email at NerdAscended at gmail.com. I think it's NerdAscendedPodcast at gmail. (laughs) (laughs) I should probably know my own email. It's in our outro. Yeah. (laughs) Just listen to the outro. (laughs) It'll be in there. So anyway, very professional podcast. A very professional podcast. Uh, the North remembers. The North remembers. And I can smell pizza. So, bye, bye nerds. <laughs> <laughs>